either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director Interesting from week this week. So. We have one Dang. definite you Oscar contender and one that's film. maybe it's the so biggest disappointment for us. Uh, of the year so far. But let's dig into the whole batch. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start out with that Oscar contender. In 1955, after Emmett Till is murdered in a brutal lynching, his mother vows to expose the racism behind the attack while working to have those involved brought to justice. This is Till. This was my boy, Emmett Till. The body of Emmett Lewis Till has been found dead. Can I at least just fix him up a bit? No. They have to see it for themselves. You tell me, Mamie, how is risking your life going to help them? Those pictures of your son change people's lives. I can't look, Mamie. We have to. The lynching of my son has shown me that what happens to any of us anywhere in the world had better be the business of us all. How excited are we about Danielle Deadweiler? Yeah, we, we it's weird. I was talking we were talking this morning. We've never met her, but yet <laughs> somehow we feel connected because we first got wind of her a few years ago when we were judging entries for the Nightmares Film Festival here in Columbus, Ohio, and she starred in uh, a film that at the time was called Reckoning. Since then it's, the title's been changed to Devil to Pay and just blew us away. Yeah, I can recall we uh, when we saw it, you know, it come through the jury pool and both of us were like Wow, and yeah. it, you know, and it played the festival, and it won best thriller, and it is a magnificent film. If you haven't seen it, go see it right yeah. now. Now called then, Devil to Pay. Devil yeah. to Pay, and then she stole. We were so happy to see her steal scenes from the star-studded western, the Idris yeah. Elba. Harder they fall. Harder they fall. Yeah, last which year. showed her range, and now an incredible, another example of her incredible range, and in what is sure to be, if she's not Oscar nominated. I will be shocked. Because, we might not watch. Because she is phenomenal <laughs> in, in Till, and she plays Mamie, Emma Till's mother. And, of course, you know going in, that that's what the subject matter is, the lynching of Emmett Till in the 1950s in Mississippi. So it's going to be a hard watch for sure. But it's a necessary watch, and it's a, it's a, it's a riveting watch, and it's somehow maybe the, one of the most amazing things about this film is how it can speak to such an ugly, ugly event in history and the the ugly connection that it still has to our present, but still treat it in such a graceful and 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 sometimes beautiful manner. Yeah, I think it's important to know. I mean, <clears throat> it, it's it's incredibly difficult subject matter, um, and I think that it's important to know going into it that that uh, Chinonia Chuku, the director, she does not she does not wallow. In in violence and trauma, it doesn't turn its eye away from what's going on. But you're not. That's not the main focus. Is mm-hmm. the actual brutality of what of happens. the event? Right. Right. Um, she does. You know, she doesn't. She doesn't skip it. But but don't feel like you're going to be subjected to watching this lovely young man be brutalized. Um, yeah. And and uh, you get to know him, which makes it yes, all the more heartbreaking. And what does. a beautiful performance that is! But the majority yeah, of the film, Jalen Hall, he's so good. Oh my God, those dimples. and that's one of the first thing that strikes me is because over the years we've seen pretty much the same historical photo right. of Emmett Till, the one that uh, she took of him on Christmas Day. Right, and so that's when we see, and right away 
the film just hits you with with vibrancy and color it's and so movement it's and so it just beautiful. yes and it reminds you and and as you just said we get to know him mm-hmm. and it it reminds you that hey this is this is history yeah. these aren't just pictures in a book these were real people he was a real young boy who was brutalized and then of course his mother had to live with this loss and that's really what the movie is rooted in in her loss yes it's about her and how she she dealt with it afterwards and was I don't know, reluctantly, hesitantly push toward activism. Right. And it's, you know, it is, we're just going to keep, keep coming back to this performance, but it's, the the character is so, um, she you, you said graceful. She's, she's so poised. But what I love about this performance is that you can, you can sense the, the pain oh. and the rage yes. just beneath the surface oh, yes. of that composure. It's, uh, it's a very layered and beautiful performance. It really is. And there are some long, unbroken takes oh my. where you just realize, that, oh, they haven't they haven't cut away. Yeah. And she has, Deadweiler just, just holds this, this mood, and, and you're right, uh, under the surface, and she has to maintain her dignity, not only because, in some cases, if, if she let it go, her life would be threatened. Right, You know, yes. she had to sit there and take it. Uh, but but just for her for her holding it together for the memory of her son moving closer toward hopefully some sort of of, of justice and of course we know that the men who uh, who committed the act were acquitted and then they admitted it later in a uh, in magazine a, in a magazine interview but her working toward activism mm-hmm. and and working toward. Uh, justice for these types of crimes and she only died back in i think 2003 2003 or whatever so it's a it's not only a lovely memorial to her and her efforts but to the memory of her son and somehow that's a that's a um, a statement about uh the director the co-writer and director who also did uh, the movie clemency clemency a few years ago so good that was very very uh inspiring and and uh, and good as well and that one showed a different look at the capital punishment uh, question, the capital punishment issue. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, but this one does find a way to remain dignified, beautiful, and hopeful in the face of this just ugliness and, and, and bigotry and oppression. And it does a good job. You know, it does resort to some standard, uh, some standard approaches to the courtroom drama because yeah. it does become sort of a courtroom drama. But that there she finds organic ways to connect the past to the present yes. and how so many of these things, these same attitudes, these same behaviors, res- behaviors yeah. responses to these crimes are repeated yeah. today over and over. And that just that just makes it all the more heartbreaking. But it's such a, a necessary film and it, it is a it's a tough watch, but it's a it's a great watch. And even if it was a terrible movie. Which is not. No, it's a great movie. This performance, yeah. my lord, and mm-hmm. I really hope it catapults her into the level that she deserves. And I certainly uh, expect her to be remembered at awards time because she sh- certainly deserves it. That's Dead- Danielle Deadweiler. Remember that name and remember the movie Till. It is out in all its wide release yep. this week. And just just go in knowing it's going to be a tough watch. But if you know the history, you know that but already. Go. But go. Uh, that is Till out now. A new horror movie for Halloween weekend? Alrighty. A nun prepares to perform an exorcism and comes face to face with a demonic force with mysterious ties to her past. It's Prey, P R E Y, for the devil. You have a gift. 
I'd like to teach her. This relationship, it's personal. We all have a personal relationship with God. No, she's gone. This feeling has followed me my entire life. You got my invitation. We've been waiting for you. Well, you look at this right away and you see PG-13. Okay, there are... <laughs> Some good PG-13 horror movies. Everybody brings up The Ring, as they should. That's mm-hmm. one of the best, if not the if not the best. But it kind of makes you think, oh, it's going to be muted a little bit. As this is, this as we were t- talking on our TV gig this morning, probably for people that don't like their horror too intense. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of jump scares, and it's a lot of, I mean, the, the exorcism moments there's nothing there you haven't seen before it's a little girl doing a crab claw up crab (laughs) crawl up a wall it's you know eyes roll back into their heads you know stuff pushes from the inside of your belly out it's 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 really really tired and that's you know it's a funny thing about this movie is that um i am so tired of exorcism films but they and i may have liked this better than i should have because there's not enough feminism in the movie, but there's a little bit, and I thought that that was interesting because, as you as you mentioned, she's so she's a nun and she's she attends this completely fictional exorcism <laughs> school slash hospital I know, I know. in Boston. Like, do they? Have, it's a school. Do they have a football team? I know what's just, going on. <laughs> and um and the you know nuns aren't allowed to participate, and she so she keeps sneaking into this class because she had this experience as a child. And uh, and so there is there are conversations about how, you know, maybe it's time after what has it been like 3000 years for uh, the Catholic (laughs) Church to step into even the Middle Ages. Just come on, come this way. (laughs) So there are a couple of, you know, it's it's. uh, But the other thing that it does that I appreciate is that essentially what it boils down to is the theme here is that. It's Catholic guilt and shame that kills all of us. And I remember thinking to myself the first time it came up, I thought, I am hooked now. This I understand. <laughs> it's speaking to you. This this makes sense <laughs> to me. Yes, it is Catholic guilt and shame that's going to kill every Catholic girl. And so I might have liked it better than I should have because, again, it is, uh, it's pretty predictable and the scares are very, you've seen them before, but the performances are better than they ought to be. And also... The director is Daniel Stamm, who a few years ago did The Last Exorcism, right, which, which, when it comes to exorcism movies, is pretty decent. So she, he should have known better. I mean, he really <laughs> should have. It, you know, it doesn't compare. That one, one of the things that made that one interesting is that it's not Catholic. Because that's another thing. Um, um, why? You know, because ca- people think because of the film The Exorcism that the Catholic Church is the only sort of group you mean that the does... Exor- the Exorcist. Yeah, sorry, yes. That does exorcisms. That's not true. That's not true. And so let's let's if we're going to continue to make them, let's stop making them Catholic. Wouldn't it be interesting to see it happen from a different perspective finally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so this one is pretty familiar, especially if you've ever seen any sort of demonic possession movie. Not that scary, but if that's all you wanted some jump scares, well, you know, this 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 could fit the bill. And as you say, you probably liked it because of your personal history and maybe every maybe other people that have that have your your uh, Catholic school upbringing might feel a little more in tune to it than than others. Maybe, but that <laughs> maybe, but that's it's out. pretty middling. Even if you uh, are in tune to it, <laughs> that's out now. Called "Pray for the Devil."
Well, we mentioned a big disappointment this week, and here it is. A cruise for the super-rich sinks, thus leaving survivors, including a fashion model celebrity couple, trapped on an island. This is Triangle of Sadness. A Russian capitalist and an American communist. <laughs> on a $250 million luxury yacht. is going under. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just the snow, but for This is really bad. This is really, really bad. Boy, we were looking forward to this one. Uh, the, the writer and director is Ruben Ostland, and if you don't know the name, he did two films in the last few years, and we love both of them. First of all, Force Majeure. So great. Great. It was remade into a eh, movie with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell a couple of years ago called Downhill. Uh, and then he did the movie called Square. So nuts, but these, so great. They're so great. They were satires. They were intelligent. And so completely unpredictable, unpredictable and well plotted. And this one is just suffers from so much self indulgence. First of all, it's two and a half hours, and it it needn't be. And the it, the satire is it only scores a couple of for me just just only scored a couple of chuckles. It's really really dry and forced and obvious. Broad, very so broad as this cruise for the super rich. Uh, yeah, as as the synopsis says, it ends up getting stranded on this island and none of the points that it's making are new it's not that they're bad points but not only are they not new you th- this film just repeats them over and over and over in fact it's set into three chapters and the first chapter alone just centers on this celebrity model couple played by Harris Dickinson and Charles B Dean who oh, Rogers found she just passed away Aww. from some illness just a, a few months ago which was which was obviously too bad but anyway that whole I thought that whole first chapter could have been eliminated. I mean, it went on and on with this message about the the vapid nature of, you know, celebrity Instagram culture. Okay. Yeah. We get that pretty easily. You could have communicated that very, very easily with a couple of scenes on the cruise ship because none of the other couples got their own chapter. And it just wasn't necessary. But anyway, the it's just that's just one of the reasons why this film just felt so self-indulgent uh, and, and so bloated and and just it's just very directionless and just so surprising because the other two movies that we mentioned force majeure and the square were so precise yes. in their digs yes. and their and their satire and and the way they were going and it it what it, it did seem somewhat profound and somewhat new they were those films were digging into to somewhat fresh territory and mm-hmm. this just seems like it's it's got on it got on board you know pardon the pun just a little too late we've been there we've mm-hmm. done that we mm-hmm. understand and not only are you giving us all these all these uh, lessons that we know quite well you're just you're just doing it in such a redundant redundant manner so just really really disappointed as a takedown on privilege which is the goal here that's worthy but it's just done in such a way that it it seems just so redundant and self-congratulatory. 
Woody Harrelson does pop up as the um, somewhat drunken captain of the, of Never the, of the cruise thing. ship. And he does get a couple of chuckles in. He's not in it very much, but he does get uh, score a couple of a uh, couple of good scenes there. But all in all, boy, just an overlong. And in the screening that that we were at, um, more than a few walkouts. Yeah, uh, there are going to be people that I, I think somebody was muttering under their breath as they left of how how terrible it was. So it's just really really disappointing, especially if like like uh, the two of us, you really appreciated this writer director for his previous work. This one this one is a miss, unfortunately, and a big disappointment for Triangle of Sadness. Next is the latest for another filmmaker we like very much and not a disappointment. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. This is called Decision to Leave. And this is from Park Chan-wook, who is an all-time favorite. And he can do absolutely anything because so he got particularly famous with the um, uh, old boy and the the whole vengeance trilogy. Right. He's done Stoker, which is and 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 also Thirst, which mm-hmm. are borderline horror films. Yeah. And then this is is just this beautiful romantic mystery yeah a mix of crime and passion and beautiful doesn't even describe it. it's so fantastic not only the way it looks but the way the camera moves some of these shots you're like holy crap some of them <laughs> some of them are so new and innovative yeah and some of them are just direct homages to noir noir cinema yeah and it's just the entire movie is so hypnotic and so intoxicating as it uh, unveils this mystery. And two great lead performances, Park Hai-il and Tang Wee. He is the the detective, and she is the mysterious uh, widow of, of the dead man. And they just, from the very beginning, they have this longing. He's already married, although it's it's a weird situation. He only sees his wife on the weekends because he's so committed to his job. He wants to, He has his own residence closer to the precinct. And he's just obsessed. He's an insomniac. He's obsessed with his job and and unsolved cases. Um, And then he just becomes embroiled in this mystery. And even though it sure appears like this woman's husband committed suicide, he is he's compelled to dig deeper and to get closer and closer to her. And she immediately tells him that she's not Korean. This is a foreign language film, by the way. She tells him she's not Korean. She's Chinese. So she needs help with some translation. And she's confused. And then you think. Is that true? Or she's just trying to get him to underestimate her as as he gets caught in her web. You just you just don't know. And this is a little longer as well because uh, there's a lot going on here, and the movie shifts ahead in time as um, months and go by, and she has remarried. the The widow has remarried, and they meet up again. And now there's a new twist, and a new mystery, and a new murder case, and. It just goes off in all these different directions, but you just get sucked into it. Oh, yeah, it's mesmerizing. Mesmerizing and and leading to a a very memorable ending sequence, an ending shot that uh, you'll definitely remember. So this is a big, a big recommendation. Such a delicious take on longing and obsession with some fantastic dialogue. And actually, it's wryly funny in spots, too. Pretty much anything that Park Chan-wook does... 
See it. Absolutely. See, see it. And we thought that way about Ruben Oslin, too, but now yeah. he's kind of had a miss. So this is a big miss in his uh, resume. But, but uh, Park Jan Wook just keeps. Oh, the handmaiden. I was trying oh, to remember. The handmaiden, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we could just go on for days. Yeah. Everything he makes, you and should see. And they all look fantastic. They do. They're so Just gorgeous. Fantastic. Every single one. And if you're going to watch Old Boy, prepare yourself. But other than that, yes. I'd say full on <laughs> everything. Go see it. Yeah, another winner here. Decision to leave. It's in theaters now. Yes. Let's move to an animated film on Netflix. Two scheming demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde, enlist the aid of 13-year-old Cat Elliot to summon them to the land of the living. This is Wendell and Wilde. Magician Mortician, the artiste of the afterlife. So, as your masters, we order you to turn around and, uh... You're tripping. All right. Cat demons are raising an army of the dead. Ding dong. Gotcha. My demon's my problem. Well, this is the latest from co-writer and director Henry Selleck. And if you don't know his name, I bet you know The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I bet you know Coraline, and that's him. That's him. James the Giant Peach James and the Giant Peach, yeah. So you know what you're getting into, and that is if you like stop-motion animation, you are getting into some beautiful, weird, macabre, glorious animation. And this movie looks amazing. It does. And it's a bit darker, though. This is for maybe the the older kids. It is PG. Coraline is dark. Yeah, it is. It's surprisingly dark. And I I forget what Coraline was rated, though. PG-13, as is this. As is this. Yeah, it's a little... But for a little bit of the older kids, and it's um, not only stars the voices as Wendell and Wilde, a Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, but Jordan Peele co-writes the screenplay. Yep. And it's yeah, it's a beautiful looking adventure, I guess you yeah. say, as these two these two brothers, these two scheming demons, they want to have an amusement park or a fair, some sort of uh, event like that, and they want to do it in the land of the living. And they find a way, they think they found a way to get there through this 13-year-old girl. She is a troubled youth, mm-hmm. and um, and she's at a, not a reform school, she's at a, a Catholic school that also takes in sort of reform school mm-hmm. students. And the head, the head nun there is voiced by Angela Bassett. Most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> um, and it, it, the, here's the thing. Here's the problem. It is very densely scripted. There is a great deal going on. There is a lot to keep track of. And again, I mean, it's not the it's a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for small children, but there's the first it's awfully dark for a small child and there's no way they're going to follow the storyline. Yeah, it's it, really I mean, it's there's a lot to there follow. There is. And it's based on a book, so we haven't read the book. We don't know how much of that is going on in the book. I assume a lot of it. They just didn't want to pare it out. But it, there, there is. You're right. There is a lot going on. But the, the stop motion animation and the colors are fantastic. Yes. And I love the voices of Key and Peele. They're always great. As we learned in uh, Toy Story 4, they are excellent cartoon character they voices. Are. So do you, in particular, have a real respect for people can, who can just be voice actors. It takes more than a lot of people realize. And, and man, these two just do a phenomenal job. And they're very, very funny. Yeah, and uh, the voice of Kat, the young girl, is Lyric Ross. And then you're going to hear uh, Ving Rhames' yes. voice in there. He's un- got an unmistakable voice. Yes, he does. And James Hong, the mm-hmm. legendary veteran James Hong. You picked him out I right did, away. I did, right away. And that was a good call because he's in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, especially if you have Netflix, that's an easy call for yes, Halloween weekend. For sure. And you've got maybe some some older kids who won't be intimidated by it and who can follow it a little bit better. Right. I mean, it's got, I mean, it's social message about about pay for social justice mm-hmm. is, is 
solid. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also just stunning to look at. It sure is. So if you have Netflix, fire that one up. Perfect for Halloween weekend called Wendell and Wild. Well, let's stay with Netflix and a true crime drama. An infamous caregiver is implicated in the deaths of hundreds of hospital patients. This one stars two Oscar winners called The Good Nurse. He's been at nine hospitals. Nine. What do you mean? No, the hospital would have done something. You would think so. so. Yeah. Do you remember working with someone named Charlie Cullen? Yeah. There was a rumor about him. They found insulin in a dead guy's sailing bag. Calm, sit. Why are you being weird, Mom? He's be killing people without ever touching them. He's gonna get a new job, and it's all gonna continue. I hope you guys can hear me. He's walking right now. I love Jessica Chastain. And I'm actually a very big Eddie Redmayne fan. I think a better, a bigger fan of his than you than you are. And it was fun to watch the two of them together because they really are. But you know what? That, that struck me right off. They look like siblings. They do. They really look alike. And I was a little surprised because I don't. I did not know the story when I, I assumed they were. Yeah. I thought I can't believe this is the first time somebody has cast these two to be siblings. They're not. They're friends. Yeah. And I did remember. I didn't know until you reminded me what this was about. I certainly remember this in the news. Um, but uh, you're right. They do look like siblings, but they're both extremely talented. Yeah, both Oscar winners. But it's a it's a very troubling story, not only what this nurse did, but how he was passed along through the system until finally, finally, somebody thought enough to try to put a stop to it. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I think that we're used to stories like that in the Catholic Church, for example. Also, I think in um, in sort of police corruption, mm-hmm. you know, where it just gets covered up and moved around mm-hmm. because. At, but I I was not aware of of sort of the you know nationwide hospital complex. I supposed as having the same sort of a problem, mm-hmm. and 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 so being new to that idea, how terrifying is that? Yeah, that there can be a nurse who maybe is implicated in killing a whole bunch of patients. They just move you to a different, just as long as you're not killing people at my hospital. Right. Yeah, it's really unsettling. But I think one of the reasons that the movie works as well as it does is that Eddie Redmayne, he really, going back to um, Black Death, which I may be the only person on earth who saw, uh, a film, um, a horror film set, you know, um, during the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, he does a really good job of being both a good guy and a bad guy, like of combining believably those two sides of a coin. And he really does here. He's very tender. You love him. And then you're terrified of him at the same time. And Jessica Chastain, she's just always wonderful. I mean, the whole cast is really quite good. The problem with the movie is that it plays like a TV movie. I mean, it's the the production values are better. The the performances are better, but it's just like a true crime. You, I can't imagine this being a theatrical release. It feels like something that's just destined for Netflix, which yeah. is where you'll find it. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's directed by Tobias Lindholm, who, man, he he wrote and directed a film I love from 2015 called A War, mm-hmm. and then he wrote both Another Round and The Hunt. Yes, good, good yes. stuff there. Very good. Uh, and this one too. It's interesting with a character like this. It's great to have these two talents together because part of the story is she 
was a friend of his. Yes. And then she had to believe that he was capable of these things and then possibly help out the police to try to catch him while still maintaining a facade of of being friends with him. So you you really need some talent to pull that off. Yeah, and the other thing I think that the film does well without beating you over the head with it is expose the reality of one of the reasons that she's reluctant to do any of this is that all nurses sign an NDA. Um, this is one of the one of the ways that the that this keeps happening is that for fear of a lawsuit, nobody can let any information out. So she can't even she's afraid to even work with the police because she will lose her job. She has a heart condition and she's waiting to she can't go without insurance. She right. can't she can't survive. Mm-hmm. And it really it's I mean, you know, without being super focused on that, it's very poignant and, and just slaps of reality like yeah. we are as american citizens so limited by what we can and cannot do because of our insurance yeah and there, you know there's another going going back to till that reminds me there's a very and i don't want to spoil it there's a very very emotional scene in till where she the mother confronts people who were with her son when he was first kidnapped before he was killed and she questions them about some choices they made, and their response is so heartfelt about tough, almost impossible yeah. choices yes. and the situations that they were in then and that people are still in today oh, yeah. that really, really speaks speaks to an audience. And, and I think that's a good point here, too, because, yeah, she had not only legal ramifications, mm-hmm. but very personal yeah. and, and possibly life-threatening ramifications. Yeah. So another sad, uh, true, true story, because this wasn't that long ago. I think a lot of people will probably remember these headlines. I certainly do. And an incredible story. And it's on Netflix now called The Good Nurse. Next is a thriller on VOD, a rough-hewn dramatic thriller from Athens, Georgia, about a retired musician and his attempt to complete the last song his daughter wrote before her death. This one's called Ragged Heart. There's a terrific difference in how you sound based on where you come from. You need to come from in here. Mr. Galloway, can I ask you something? Why are you having me sing your dead daughter's song? Peculiar thoughts. You have a little history with that, you know? My heart ain't a toy. You can play when you're safe. Did you get the song I left you? Look, I know what you're going through sucks. I do. I hate it for you. You gave those industry snowflakes the keys to your soul, and you left them to This is a very indie film and a beautiful movie. I mean, really, really well made. Mostly. Um, non-professional actors, not exclusively. Uh, clearly, you can tell right away, mostly true musicians. It's a very Athens, Georgia kind of a movie. I mean, it's it's hard for me to imagine this being set anyplace else. Uh, a, 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 a man who'd once been an indie musician of some renown, who is now running Better Days Salvage. And the whole thing is, it's really, they do a great job using symbolism in that way to not only represent... Not really a fall from grace, but sort of the idea that commerce isn't as important as art. And and they do that really without, again, without being super heavy-handed about it. It's a very poetic film. And um, when his daughter dies, she has left tied to his his pickup truck her last song Mm -hmm. as a poem to him. And, Mm -hmm. And what he goes through 
to decide exactly why it's there, what he should do with it, what it means, and to get it made. At any point where you think you know where it's going, you really don't. And I want to give them tremendous credit for that. Yeah, that's a good thing. And it's the uh, the director is Evan McNary, and he wrote it with uh, Deborah McNary. His sister. His sister. It, you know, it doesn't always work. It's told sort of in a very fragmented sort of dreamlike sequence. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it feels stalled. I understand why they chose that, because it's another sort of art over commerce that really fits the story so it stalls here and there and not everybody is a solid performer as maybe you would hope to see but it's a beautiful movie and that is out on vod now called ragged heart another horror thriller next the morning stella decides to take her own life a stranger knocks at her door claiming he has the guest room for the night this is called the guest room one of the that not turn indietro. Troy Haynes reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Really, really enjoyed it. And actually, you might find this under the title of just The Room, which is sort of confusing because, of course, you've got that cult favorite film, Tommy Wiseau's movie, The Room. That's not this, but The Guest Room or The Room. It's one of those movies that does that sort of tiptoes around exactly the etiquette. I mean, it's not as great as, as, say, funny games, but it's that kind of a thing where how far is etiquette going to, are you going to be pushed before yeah. you, like, push back? Um, you just saw that in Speak No Evil exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and there are just three performances, all of them absolutely magnificent, really probably better than the material. But it's it's creepy and really effective. It's on VOD right now, and it's it's a good it's a good option for a for a spooky season weekend. Yeah, check out Tori's full review at MadWolf.com, but you can find it as the guest room or the room, not Tommy Wiseau's the room. Uh, <laughs> you'll find it on VOD, the guest room. And we'll finish up with a campy drama musical. Newlyweds Susie and Arthur become the dangerous obsession of a greaser gang that awakens a sleeping quandary into the couple's sexual identity. This is called Please, Baby, Please. I saw two people get murdered on our stoop last night. These hustlers, these lunatics, they know where we live. Arthur's had his cage rattled. He refuses to be a man. I won't be terrorized into acting like a savage just because I was born male. Your husband's tender, right? He'd never knock you around. What if you just want to get a little choked? Please, baby, please. Maybe I want to be imposing. Maybe I want to be feared. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us on MadWolf.com, and it's nutty. Um, it's, it's so throwback, it's so retro, um, very fun and artistic and weird, very hep cat, cool kitty, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, it's an avant-garde piece that really just looks at, in a very fun way, gender fluidity and gender roles and, and how those things are structured, how they might really be penning people in unnaturally it's really set in like early 60s like Mm -hmm. 50s early 60s well greaser gang that kind of a a situation which i think opens it up more to that sort of examination 
And it's uh, the writer, uh, the co-writer and director is Amanda Kramer. And an interesting cast here. You've got the great Andrea Riceboro oh, in there. Oh, she's so great. You've got Harry Melling, who you will recognize him as a grown-up Dudley Dursley That's from right. the Harry Potter series. Yes. Uh, he And then Demi Moore yeah. has an appearance here. She so does. A she very absolutely does. interesting cast, and uh, she does some interesting things with him. Yeah, it's a musical. The music is fun. It's not for everybody, and it's not as strong as I'm, I was hoping that it would be. But it's worth looking at. And this one you can find in select theaters and on VOD as well called Please Baby Please. All right, let's head to the lobby for some knowledge. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Checking back in with the Schlocketeer, a.k.a. Daniel Baldwin, always uh, getting us updated with the latest studio news. What's the word this week? Disney Plus has moved up the release of its Enchanted sequel, Disenchanted. Instead of hitting on Thanksgiving week, it will now premiere on the service on November 18th. And then also on November 18th will be the streaming release of Jordan Peele's Nope on Peacock. So if anyone missed it in theaters, they can catch it there. Just in time to duck out of... uh, Family get-togethers if you, if you need to. <laughs> you know, I... Some alone time. As soon as I saw that movie, I wanted to see it again, and I still haven't, so maybe that's the perfect time. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to do the same thing. And then, continuing with the moving up, um, Damien Chazelle's Babylon will now get a full wide theatrical release on December 23rd instead of the platformed release that it was originally going to get in early January. Okay. So that's good news. Yes. And Universal has also moved up the release of Megan from January 13th to January 6th. Have you seen that trailer yet? Oh, yes. People are, <laughs> people are freaking out. <laughs> and uh, one, one thing that the trailer doesn't really drive home that I think is important is, you know, of course, it's produced by James Wan. It's from the writer of Malignant, and it's from the director of Housebound. So that's a nice really? oh, there. Really? Oh, now that yeah. I didn't know. Okay. Well, as you know, I hated Malignant, but loved Housebound, so we'll see what happens. And uh, Sony has um, pushed back the wide release of their Tom Hanks comedy by a month, um, and that'll now open on January 13th, but it is still getting a limited release of some sort in mid-December, however. So if you're in a bigger market, you might get to see it early. What's the name of that? Man Called Otto. Okay. And then also delayed until January 13th is the Warner Brothers remake of House Party, which was previously set for an early December release. And that's a previous HBO Max movie that's been upgraded to theatrical. Oh, all right. And the Hidden Empire Film Group have set a January 20th theatrical release for their horror thriller Fear. And Paramount has scheduled a February 3rd theatrical release for their sports comedy 80 for Brady. Is this, is this a Tom Brady thing? I believe it is, yeah. Uh, oh, Lord. and then uh mgm and amazon have finally settled on a march 3rd theatrical release for michael b jordan's creed 3 and the trailer for that was excellent as well and he's directing this yes he is okay following in skillen's footsteps in more than one way yeah and finally sony has postponed their animated film harold and the purple crayon um it was going to come out in late january now it's not coming out until june 30th so that feels more like a confidence delay than anything. Yeah, it does. Drop that in the middle of summer season. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, you can always get the latest headlines, news, and notes uh, online at The Schlocketeer. It's Daniel Baldwin. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking ahead to next week, well, that's led by one we've already seen, and I uh, can't wait to talk about the Banshees of Inishirin. Also, Armageddon time. New one from Benson and Moorhead we're looking forward to also is next week. It's called Something in the Dirt. God forbid. Uh, the Sleep Experiment. Girl at the Window. Missing. 
on the line. One piece of film red. Satan's slaves communion. Uh-huh. And next exit. So that's all next week. Boy, a lot going on this week. Oscar contenders, disappointments, good films, not so good films. What do you think? We keep the conversation going anytime. You can find us easily on Twitter. That's at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other podcasts focusing only on horror movies. Good time of year for that. That's called Fright Club. You can find that all at madwolf.com. So keep in touch. Have a great rest of spooky season. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. Happy Halloween. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.